Well, well. The Batman. It's about time you showed up. The Batman Universe Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast. This is episode 16. I'm Dustin, and with me as always we have... This is Chris. And this is Apple. And this is the Batman Universe Podcast. So we got a bunch of different news, a whole lot of video game news to cover in this episode. Our spotlight character is going to... Which a lot of listeners have been sending in that suggestion, so... This is going out for the listeners who are emailing me, asking for her. And then our feature is going to be... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the rumors that are already floating around about... The sequel to The Dark Knight. Let's get right into movie news. On August 10th, The Dark Knight was number one again. It ended up running for, I believe, what was it, four weeks? Four weeks number one? Yeah, it was about four weeks. Yeah, four weeks number one. And then uh, on August 17th, Dark Knight was finally beat out by Tropic Thunder, but it, it was its fifth week out, so I don't really hold anything against it for losing out to Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder was a hilarious movie. Yeah, I liked it. All good things must come to an end. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, you know what was surprising also? Clone Wars that came out that weekend also, and I was kind of surprised that, you know, with all the Star Wars fans, that Clone Wars didn't beat the Dark Knight. Dark Knight still came in number two. Yeah, I think I like that, that was. Feature. I think that was because uh, the reviews, the critic reviews that were floating around about the Clone Wars, about how it was basically not very well planned. But you know, I I heard I heard on a, another podcast, uh, a movie podcast, they were saying they were trying, they were comparing the movie to basically take Star Wars, animate it, and animate it and stick it on kids WB, and that's what you have because it was made by. Warner Brothers instead of 20th Century Fox. So, that's enough talk about Star Wars. <laughs> August 14th, there was a fake sequel poster that came out. Now, we'll provide a link on the website, BatmanUniversePodcast.Podomatic.com, so that you can check this poster out. It's actually, whoever did it did a really good job of mm-hmm. photoshopping this poster. And some people out there were thinking it was real and believable. But unfortunately, uh, there's nobody knows anything about the sequel. Christopher Nolan, we'll talk more about the sequel stuff later, but the basic gist is if you thought that the poster was real, you really don't follow the news as much as you probably should because there was things in the poster. And if you haven't seen the poster, like I said, check out the link, go and see the poster because it is a... It it was done really good, so that's why probably some people did think it was completely true, but at the same time, I I think it'd just be a little too soon to be putting out a poster about a sequel for something that's probably not going to happen for another three years. And there's been others out there, too. I saw one for um, Catwoman and one for uh, uh, just showing... Johnny Depp. And one for Johnny Depp as the Riddler, you know, a full poster of their whole costume. Uh, Yeah, people are are being creative out there. It's fun to see what they come up with. Yeah. August 18th, 
the Dark Knights uh, made another big, I guess you would call it a record event. It surpassed Star Wars, the original Star Wars movie from the 70s on the all-time grossing films. Now, I'm sure I'll probably get some kind of email from some Star Wars super fan saying, well, if you put in the fact of uh, inflation, Star Wars <laughs> is still super high. Yes, that's true, but here's the newsflash. If you actually included all of the inflation rates from the time that movies were in movie theaters, Star Wars still wouldn't be number one because Gone with the Wind would be number one. Right. So take that. Yeah. So there's not much to talk about. All there is is that Dark Knight beat the number one, you know, number... Right now it's sitting at number two waiting to beat Titanic, which it probably won't just because it's going to slowly die down. Um, Labor Day weekend it's going to probably surpass uh, $500 million and it'll probably sit about, I'm going to guess, right on 525 when it's all said and done. So. In other news... The last bit of movie news we have is August 22nd. Uh, Warner Brothers put out their slate for some superhero movies to come, and their big thing was, in the next three years, they are planning on doing a, a Green Arrow movie, a Green Lantern movie, Wonder Woman, Flash, a reboot of the Superman franchise. They are not going to do a sequel of Superman Returns, Brian Singer's version, and a sequel to The Dark Knight. All within the next three years... Now, that doesn't mean the movies are going to come out in the next three years. That means they'll be in development, and after the next three years, there'll probably be, these movies will start popping out. Uh, but the thing was that the Batman sequel, they're hoping to have it out in theaters in the next three years. So, it's possible. It'll just be interesting to see if it actually happens. And that, wouldn't that be a normal time frame, three years, uh, movie to movie? Yeah, three years yeah. is not bad. I mean, if they... I'm hoping Warner Brothers wouldn't try to do a Batman and Robin mistake and try oh. to jam it out in two years because uh-huh. stuff doesn't work out and it gets you don't get the the like the director whether it's Christopher Nolan or not wouldn't have the ability to do exactly what he would want to do with only that small of a time frame. Yeah, and with them working on all those other properties too, I think they'll be less pressured to focus on Batman. That'll take take more of the pressure off to think we've got to get another Batman movie out now. Yeah. And the other good news was that they are also shelving for now Justice League and the Superman Batman movie. And their basic idea is very similar to what Marvel's Marvel has done in the past where they release single movies and eventually they lead up to a movie of all the characters together in the same movie instead of letting the movie with them all together establish the single characters, which I think is dumb. But, well, let let me rephrase that. I think it's dumb for them to try to have a movie with a bunch of characters and establish single movies because there's no, you can't, you can't see what kind of success the single character is going to draw in just from a movie of, you know, a group of superheroes. There's no way. Yeah. Right. And, Looking at all of that information, uh, I thought it was a glaring example of executive ignorance uh, when they said that they're looking at all of these movies, making them all dark like the Batman, since that was so successful. Oh, oh, they don't do that. I mean, (laughs) how dumb can you be? Because, yeah, that works for Batman, but Batman is a lot different than other superheroes. Yeah, I I think that was 
something that somebody said that they probably shouldn't have, because the Flash, I actually find the Flash is kind of a comedic character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it should be a comedy, but it could be like an, you know, kind of an, uh, an action movie with the little pun comedy that are in a lot of action movies, like Rush Hour, the Rush Hour series. You know, something similar to that where it's a lot of action, but there's still, you know, the little one-liners. Lightheartedness, right? Yeah. Is there's that lightheartedness? Yeah. You know, um, with the what uh, when the executive said when they were talking about Batman, the lead exec said, you know, you know, what about you know Christopher Nolan? And we're like, we don't know where he's going with this, you know. So it it, it kind of holds like, yeah, please, you know, they're holding on for what Chris says. You know, if Chris says, I'm coming back. You know, they're going to be ecstatic and, you know, they're going to pay him, you know, all these millions of dollars. And I'm glad they took that approach. We, we don't know where he where he's going with that. And they're like leaving him alone. You know what I mean? He's on vacation. We're leaving him alone. And, you know, with all the success that the Dark Knight has had, I mean, that guy well deserves it. He well deserves that. Yeah, it's good to give respect to a good director. Mm-hmm. Yep. Might I suggest you tune into the local news? So that brings us to TV news. Nothing about uh, the Brave and the Bold. Uh, nothing really to report about that. But there was an interesting article that Apple found. Apple, go ahead and uh, give us the info on that. Okay, on the Batman video game, uh, it was the the Batman Lego video game. Uh, what they had announced was that they are starting to bring out a small short of uh, of that the actual video game in that build into a small it looks like a 20 minute ongoing film right chris it will actually like a, a little uh i guess tv show yeah, yeah. ongoing tv series tv series right. they're gonna make a 20 minute uh short for a pilot Right, and hopefully, if it's success, uh, they can bring it on as an ongoing show. So, uh, Batman fans, we might have another show out there to go with the Brave and the Bold. That'd be neat. I hope Kevin Conroy's phone is ringing from the executives <laughs> needing a. Uh, <laughs> oh, that would be so awesome! But uh, uh, like, how have we 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 have been in the in in the past podcast that Traveler's Tales, I mean, these guys are innovative, you know, they, they go out there and their video games are fun. If they can translate that into a TV show, especially for us Batman fans, that is a win-win for us. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And if it works out good, expect to see Lego Star Wars and Lego Indiana Jones uh, try to have their own TV shows too, I would bet. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that, especially if this cartoon that's coming out for the Star Wars this fall, based off the, the Clone Wars movie, isn't successful. That this could be something that could be. Mm-hmm. Right, right. All right. So that brings us to book news. Chris, go ahead and take that away. Okay. Well, September tenth, we're going to get a good graphic novel, Batman: The Gla- The Black Glove, written by Grant Morrison, who is a busy, busy man. Not only is he doing the R.I.P., but he's also doing All Star Superman and Final Crisis. Uh, but this graphic novel, um, the write-up says, bringing Batman and a group of global heroes to a mysterious island to face a killer. In this volume, collecting number six sixty-seven through sixty-nine. And 672 through 75. Then Batman relives a defining adventure in the life of young Bruce Wayne, the hunt for his parents' killer. And it's all in all going to be 176 pages. I remember reading uh, 667 through 69 
I don't think I got the uh, the closing one, but that's really where all of this started, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that was that Grant Morrison's first uh, first few issues on Batman? Yeah. Well, it wasn't the first. I don't think it was his first ones, but like right. that introduced the Club of Heroes, and the Club of Villains, which and leads Damian, up to. Right? No, Damien was introduced a little before this one. These. Uh, uh, oh yeah, he was in the six sixty six. That was the final one for Damien. Yeah. These ones introduce the Club of Heroes and the Club of Villains, which pertain to the Batman R.I.P. You know, both those Club of Villains, Club of Heroes are both in the Batman R.I.P. story. It's just another example of how Grant Morrison, when he starts writing something, he has a perfect story written out, and he preps for it well in advance. Yeah, And that's what makes him a great writer. That's what makes him a great writer. Yep. Now this graphic novel is going to be nine issues, collecting nine issues, but it leaves out two in the middle, number 670 and 71. Why do you think that is? Is it because there was a different writer that came on for those two issues? I think it was, uh, I think those two, uh, for some reason I want to say that those two issues were part of Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul, Mm -hmm. and that's why they're not combined in there. So, yeah, I'm looking at one right now. Number 671 was uh, part four of seven on the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul, yeah. But it was written by Grant Morrison. I can't wait. I want Andy Kuber to come back to the book. I mean, I like Tony Daniel is okay, but I, I really want Adam Kuber to, uh, to come back to the book. <laughs> well, on September 10th, that's not the only thing coming out. There's also going to be Gotham Central Volume 1 in the line of duty. Uh, the first ten issues of the Eisner and Harvey award-winning series is collected in hardcover for the first time. It's written by Ed Brubaker, who's uh, currently on Captain America, and Greg Rucka, who is doing uh, Detective Comics and 52, did 52. This series pitted the detectives of Gotham City's special crimes unit against the city's greatest villains in the shadow of Batman himself. And it's going to be a little bit bigger than the other one. It's going to be 240 pages for $30, five bucks more than the other one. Have you guys been collecting Gotham Central? Yes. I, uh, the Gotham Central actually was a series that ran from 2002 to 2006. Um, I believe there was like a total of 42 issues in the entire series. But it's actually a really good series that doesn't really follow Batman's, as per se, more of the the supporting characters of the GCPD. Right, they had a real good issue of uh, Commissioner Gordon in there. God, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't remember the issue, but it had a real nice cover with with uh, Commissioner Gordon, and he's in his trench coat, and uh, it was a real good story. It was a real good story. So, yeah, that was a good series. Yeah, if you definitely have not read these, this Gotham Central, you should pick it up. Um, and if I'm gonna say buy it, just for the fact that you know, if you just read the first couple pages, you'll realize that it's actually really good. The writing, the stories in those in these comics are, they could almost be turned into a novel themselves. They're that good. Mm-hmm. And we'll leave off talking about comic books for a little bit later. Yeah, our comic cast, which. You guys will be getting in probably a week after you get this one. So let's mm-hmm. move on to general news. And, you know, I, I think we're just going to end up changing the new name from general news to video game news because there's so much going on. Picking up video games, are we, sir? Apple, go ahead and let's hear about all the stuff that's going on in the video game world. 
Okay, right off the bat, guys. Oh, get so excited for this. Uh, in the new issue in the Game Informer, uh, they had released details on a new Batman video game. Arkham Asylum. And here's a small snippet that Game Informer has said there to their subscribers. Game Informer subscribers are in a real treat this month. We're proud to bring you the world-exclusive first look at the Batman Arkham Asylum from Rocksteady Studios and Eidos. The completely original title explores Gotham City's darkest location, the infamous Arkham Asylum. But as a routine prison transfer goes wrong, Batman comes face-to-face -face with the army of his worst enemies. In a dark and and gritty setting reminiscence of Bioshock with a story co-written by the great and wonderful Paul Dini. <laughs> Arkham Asylum is setting the stage for a true two-character Batman video game. And guys, if you go to Game Informer, you know what? Don't even just go to the website because the website you're going to actually, ha actually be, have to be a subscriber to see some of the screenshots. Go to your local store, your video game store, Walmart, Target, wherever you can. There are two covers issue. One of Batman, one of the Joker. Both are great covers. Buy them both. Collect them. And go ahead and read the inserts. <laughs> Look at the pages. <laughs> Look through the pages and just be in awe and be so glad we are getting a video game like this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, as you all know, I am a diehard video game fan. And so um, with Paul Dini, oh my God, Paul Dini writing a story. I am too much excited for this video game. On joystick.com, uh, if you go to, um, I believe they have it under the PS3 section, but uh, the one where we saw it was on Xbox 360. Under the Xbox 360, um, as you know, they're releasing videos as it gets closer to release. Uh, they released a video uh, where you can go ahead and watch Joker's Fatality in the new upcoming video game, Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe. And if you go ahead and click on it and go ahead and view it, uh, you're going to see <laughs> a pretty funny fatality from the Joker. And now, it's not meant for teens, so if you're a teenager, you know, <laughs> ask your parents if you can go see this. <laughs> but you do have to be of age to see the Joker's fatality and some of the moves that are going to be in this video game. Oh my god, guys. Uh, this is going to be so much fun to play. I'm not a video game fighter fan per se, but um, I have played fighting video games. I'm not good at them, but this one, I am definitely learning all the moves for every DC character out there. <laughs> so I'm uh, pretty excited about that one. On that one, uh, let me ask you guys, why do you think, if you've seen it, why do you think the Joker's eyes start glowing during that whole thing? Do you think know, it's just a fancy special effect, or does it have something to do with the story of the movie? It's just really strange. It's going to have to go with the story. I don't know what it is. Like, is he possessed? Is something going on to make him go ahead and do this? I just, it's really weird that all of a sudden his eyes start glowing for that whole thing. On the website, they had mentioned something about you know magic tricks. I'm thinking it actually has to do with something with the storyline, maybe, as to why they're being crossed over. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, when I saw the glowing eyes, I, I pretty much just took it as probably something to do with the storyline. Yeah, because it could be just like some games where you do a super and you start glowing or something, and maybe I thought that was that was cooler, but it really stands out to me. I'm like, why is that going on? I bet there's something behind that. Have you ever have you seen any of the other fatalities of the DC superheroes yet? No. Uh, I I thought I saw Superman's. I think I saw Superman's, and I think I saw Batman's. Yes, I saw Batman's, but. Um, I don't think the the heroes have like a fatality. I think they have brutality. Mm, yeah. So I think the villains will have fatality. But okay, um, well, I mean, either way, whatever their finishing move is, 
it'd be interesting to find out if you can, if their eyes, if the superhero's eyes glow as well. Mm-hmm. Because then, it, then we would clarify whether or not it would actually pertain to the storyline or not. Because obviously not all the superheroes' eyes are going to glow when they're doing their finishing move. Mm-hmm. Right. And about that Arkham Asylum uh, game, what when is it supposed to be out, do you know? Around when? Uh, it's going to be 2009. They haven't set a date yet, but it's going to probably come out in uh, 2009 sometime. I'm going to guess okay. sometime around late spring. That's my guess. If they're releasing screenshots already, they're pretty far. I'm going to say sometime around early or late spring. Yeah. You know, it actually should come out uh, probably around the same time that the DC Universe Online MMO comes out. So that I, would be a nice treat. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. I'm, th- I'm thinking the DC Universe Online is probably going to come out sometime next winter. And when I say next winter, I'm talking like December 2009, January 2010. Just because I don't think they're going to put that out anytime soon just to get it out. And I think Arkham Asylum is not, not because it's not being, even though Paul Dini's writing the story, it's not, it's not being controlled per se, like Jim Lee's controlling DC Universe. Where if it's not good, it won't get released. Which is true, which is true, and Jim Lee's a perfectionist, so. I just hope whenever it comes out, I have my Xbox back by then. <laughs> R.I.P. Chris, Xbox. <laughs> yeah, got the three red lights of death earlier this week. Oh, you know, um, you know, uh, a month from now, we are actually going to be playing Batman Lego. Yeah. So the Batman Lego video game should be out. So hopefully, you have your Xbox by then, and you or, know, we'll be doing some or, co-op. Or, yes. or he could go to the dark side and go buy a PlayStation Three. It wouldn't break, Chris. And, you, <laughs> and, then you wouldn't have, and then you wouldn't have to worry about when DC Universe Online comes out because that's not going to be on Xbox. But what about ten years from now when Halo Four comes out? And, that's, and I need that system. <laughs> that's when you go over to a buddy's house and you rent it because <laughs> that game doesn't last. As far as Arkham. Um, Arkham Asylum, uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC, and Batman Lego. So far, those are all, all the only news that we have, guys. Uh, anything that pops up about the Dark Knight video game, uh, we'll go ahead and let you know as soon as we find out. You still think it's on? I do. I do. I I think it, it's something that Pandemic's doing. You don't pay an actor to come in and do voiceovers just to have a video game canceled. That's a lot of investment. They've already invested over. Uh, they're going on their second year, so you know they 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 were tabbed once EA once EA bought them uh, when at the same time that they have bought um, oh the makers of a uh, of a uh, Mass Effect. They bought them both at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. They had dubbed them already the next makers for the Batman video game. You know, I'm I'm not gonna lose. You know, I'm not going to lose and say, oh, it's not going to come out. I just think it's something that they're trying to perfect. Yeah, well, that's exciting because that makes you think you're getting something really good coming down the pike. It's just so bizarre that nobody talks about it or, or acknowledges it on my regular like on my regular video game news sources. Yeah, but just think about it like this. Did we hear anything about Arkham Asylum before Arkham Asylum, that big thing, came out in Game Informer? That's true. That's so, true. Yeah. I and it looks far along. It looks far along. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of those things where 
we're just not learning anything because they're not putting out anything. And I think that's the only reason why we're not learning anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, man, we're about to get a lot of Batman. Lego Batman, Arkham, the Dark Knight game, DC Universe. Oh, man. We're going to get fat time. playing these video games. It's a great oh, time yes. to be a video game fan <laughs> and a Batman fan. Amen. <laughs> Alfred, let's go shopping. Yes, sir. That brings us into merchandise news. <clears throat> On uh, August 26th, we found out that Hot Toys, uh, or Sideshow Collectibles, uh, Hot Toys, which we, we told you guys in an earlier episode that they were coming out with, you know, a 1-6 uh, Tumblr, 1-6 Batpod, a Batman, a Joker. They're now coming out with a Joker uh, in his bank robbery costume. With basically has the thug mask. He's in the suit that he was wearing in the bank robbery scene from the beginning of the movie. Uh, and we'll provide a link so you can check out pictures for that. The, the, the pictures are amazing. Well worth it. Uh, the, 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 you know, the catch is it's going to be up in $5. So if you got the money, it's definitely worth it. If I had the money, I'd definitely be buying every single one of those Hot Toys collectibles because they just look so detailed and so insanely awesome yeah and this one comes with oh, all kinds yeah. of accessories it has the bag and all kinds of stuff to go with the bag and guns and uh and uh, i hear that for another thousand dollars you can get the exploding school bus bank scene where it backs <laughs> up and the back pops out but that's just rumor and speculation right now well i then i'll have it on pre-order then so <laughs> <laughs> as big as your garage Oh, yes. Oh, but, oh, my goodness. Yes, this thing is so awesome. It's so detailed. I can't wait. I can't wait to get it. Yeah, I noticed it has two heads. One where his hair is slicked back for the special mask he wears, and the other one is uh, his normal hair for when he just has the mask off. That's just, that's cool. Yeah, it's definitely awesome, and the best part is, What's amusing is that interchange they're, that they're interchangeable heads. I find mm-hmm. that kind of cool. He's also got interchangeable hands. He's got that specific gun he had in that scene. It's I mean it's really cool. The so, clothes is so detailed too. That's that's one of the best parts. Even the shoes is amazing. Amazing job. Whoever designed these, which I'm sure we'll never know except for Hot Toys. You know, is the people who did it, but whoever actually was the artist who created these figures, they did an amazing job. Does it get those wonderful toys? On August 27th, DC Direct released George Perez's black and white statue. Apple, go ahead and talk about that. Okay, now, George, as the black and white series continues, they're doing uh, a whole series on, of course, artists that have uh, done Batman. Of course, they did uh, a hardcover uh, issue where um, they did nothing but Batman stories in black and white. Uh, the George Paris uh, uh, black, uh, black and white statue is actually uh, became available this week. I actually picked it up uh, yesterday from my comic book store. So uh, if any of you live near a comic book store, have a comic book store near there, uh, try to go see if you can go ahead and see the statue. Now the stance is very reminiscent of uh, George Perez's art style. So um, the artist who did do this, who did sculpt it out, these, these sculptors are amazing because they're capturing the likenesses of these guys' artwork. 
So it, as a collector, um, buying all these black, uh, black and white statues, of course, besides Kelly Jones, Chris, <laughs> uh, besides that statue, uh, I'm loving this series. But, of course, Jer- uh, George Perez, a legend, a legend drawing Batman. Um, go ahead, guys. Go buy pick it up uh video game i mean the the comic book stores prices may vary so i'm not i don't want to say a price <laughs> so it's going to be uh you know whatever they have it listed for but um it's a real nice statue guys and if you can go ahead and buy it, this is off a of legend um pick it up it, they're well worth it yeah definitely well worth it all you care about is money this town deserves a better class of criminal i'm gonna give it to him some other bit of merchandise news I want to mention is I was in Walmart uh, maybe two weeks ago, and I noticed they had um, two or three more Joker figures on the uh, on the rack. That surprised me. Now, did they have a different insert though? Uh, yeah, what do you mean insert? Did they come with the Joker card, or did they come with the Joker uh, robbery mask? Um, Joker card. That really surprised me. I didn't know if they had done a second run, uh, production run on them, or if where they came from. And I was tempted to snap them up and slap those babies on eBay, but I thought, no, I'll give somebody the pleasure of finding this for themselves, enjoying it. But yeah, if you keep your eyes peeled, uh, you still find surprises in the stores. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I do the same thing. Uh, I got my Jokers, um, of course, some more, but I know there's some Batman fans out there. And that's one thing we don't do to Batman fans. We never cross or step on anybody's toes. <laughs> if you're, we know that we, we're a fan, we got ours, you know, we leave it out there for someone else to go ahead and get theirs too. That is exactly right. I want my phone call. So that would bring us into uh, listener Q&As. The first one we have is from Ash, and Ash writes, Hi Dustin, just listening to the podcast as I type and I checked out the Batman Brave and the Bold on YouTube, and it looks like the stupidest pile I've ever seen. They might as well put on the Batman show from the 60s. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a fan. <laughs> it's definitely in the spirit of that old uh, television series. The jig's up, kite man. Jigs up, kite man. Alright, so the next one we have is from Sean, and he had a really long one. I'm just going to take out some bits and pieces of what he said. He said, uh, Hey Dustin, long-time listener, third-time writer, here to chime in with my opinions. Alright, first off, you guys have to take it a bit easier on Joel Shoemaker. I know all of the Batman movies, his... Were the were of his were the worst, especially Batman and Robin. But he was hired by a studio that already had a direction that they wanted to go in mind. They didn't want another dark Batman movie. That's why they didn't rehire Tim Burton. I mean, think about if think about it. If your inspiration was the darker Frank Miller comic book type of Batman, when you would make a movie like the one Burton, the Burton ones or the Nolan ones. But if you're more into the Adam West show and the comics from the 50s and 60s, then you go and make this type, the type of films that Shoemaker made. And realistically, I have a four-year-old nephew, and when we start watching Batman films together, I'm going to start with the Shoemaker ones so that he gets a bright, colorful, family-appropriate picture. Then, as he gets older, we'll move to the Burton and the Nolan ones, as I view the as different universes just like Elseworlds stories in the comics. 
That way he gets all the type of variations on Batman broadening his view on the character we all love so much because I don't understand how fans who are open to different interpretations of Batman in comics are not open to the same thing with their movies or TV shows. And to the look at it from another angle, if we never had the Shoemaker films, we would never have the need for Chris Nolan and would not have gotten the great movie that is Batman Begins or the masterpiece that is Dark Knight. What's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are this man is obviously a Joel Shoemaker family relative. I can see his point. I can see his point. Yeah, I, I like the point about about introducing the kitties to something a little more lighthearted. Um, I think, well, I mean, you know, you could do that with Justice League uh, Unlimited or Batman the Animated Series possibly as well. But uh, and then saying, well, that led to the great movies we have today. True, but if we never had uh, the bad movies to begin with, there's no telling what could have developed then either. Um, I don't like going to crap to hope that that things get better in the future. And uh, and like Apple, you said before, uh, dang that Joel Shoemaker because of him, we've had to go uh, X number of years without any Batman movies. Yeah, and that's what you have to remember. Look how many years we gone because of what Shoemaker did. So yes, I can see your point that you know with you know it's a little bit campy and it's good for the kiddos, but. Um, being a Batman fan, look at those years. Look at those years. We went through some tremendous years going through there and never finding out what's going on with our, our Batman as far as movie. and comics, it was fine. But in, in, as movies go, we didn't have anything for almost 10 years. Even with the cartoons, I mean, the cartoon wasn't around anymore. All we really had was Batman Beyond for a while before they came mm-hmm. out with Justice League. So there wasn't a whole lot for us for a while. Right. And, you know, and speaking of, uh, he had brought up Tim Burton. We'll like to wish Tim Burton a happy 50th birthday also. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. 50 years old. But, yeah, I mean, I appreciate his points of view. And, and Joe Shoemaker, although we definitely know he's the scourge of Batman movies, um, uh, I still, I can watch, you know, Batman Forever and Batman Retur- uh, and Robin and enjoy them for what they are. Uh, exactly. Maybe with tears in my eyes, but still, I can enjoy them for what they are because they do have some fun in them. But right, still, I expect more. I, I can, and we're just joking, criticism. and we're just joking about him having bad intent. I know, you know, he was trying to make a film the best way he thought he could. Yeah. but you know, it just it it just didn't turn out that way for Batman fans. The the uh, one the one comment that I have to make is that when when uh, Sean, you said that you wanted to have or that, you know, the studio hired the director and they already had a direction they wanted to go. Yes, they didn't want to go darker. The problem is when they hired Joel Shoemaker, they hired him because he wasn't going to be dark, not because they were going to be able to make him do what they wanted. Now, he Joel Shoemaker's been said in the past is that when they made Batman and Robin, the, you know, the studio had toy designers come up and design certain things. But that wasn't the case for Batman Forever. Batman Forever was already pretty campy and sty- too a little stu- too stylistic, which caused Warner Brothers to realize that there was a lot of potential to make a lot of money off the toys. And I think Joel Shoemaker kind of screwed himself over with Batman Forever leading into Batman Robin. So 
It's just my, my opinion. And, and I agree and, with your opinion. <laughs> and let's not forget what the DVD commentary says. Uh, the decision for Bat Nipples did not come for Mr. Mr. Executive. That came from the lips of Joel Shoemaker himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're so, never going to let that one go away. We're not going to let that go. I'm sorry, son. We're not going to let that go at all. <laughs> we hold a grudge forever. You're still scum. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years at so, least. <laughs> scum. One other thing that Sean wrote said, uh, now to get to my original reason for writing, I was listening to the new podcast, episode 15, and I was inclined to write and say, I think that this new Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon will be all right. The art is solid, like you mentioned in your podcast. Oswald doesn't ha- ha- doesn't sound bad as Batman, and it looks like they will at least try and add characters that we have not seen in animated form in a long time, or ever before for that matter. So that is a fresh for people who- that have watched all all the other Batman cartoons, and I've got them all on DVD. It goes back to the point I was trying to make in my first paragraph, the different interpretations of the character are so that new fans can be brought into the Batman fold. As we all know, children are the future. So yeah, you can put me down for as someone who is eagerly awaiting the arrival of a new cartoon and will be one of those lone voice supporting if need be. So that my, my basic feeling is I don't think this, this TV show will be that bad. Yes, it is directed towards kids, and we have to keep that in mind. We're not kids. What we expect... Excuse me, what we expect is not what you know, appeals to children. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. But, mm-hmm. uh, like I did say in the other podcast, the art is great. It looks very solid. Uh, Oswald doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have that bad of a Batman voice. It's, it's nowhere near Kevin Conroy, but it's not that bad. And I do like the fact that it's going to have a ton of extra, you know, ton of characters, new or ones that, like you said, Sean, we haven't seen in a while. It's just, when when we were younger and we had Batman the animated series, that was a darker version, but we still watched it and we still loved it. And I can't understand why, when we were children and we grew up with that, why they can't grow up with that kind of stuff now, especially with it being almost 20 years later since the series started, and the times now, everything is a little bit darker or more mysterious or whatever than it was 20 years ago, so... Sean is definitely an eternal optimist. Yes. And that's good. That's good. Good to have some optimists Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. And Sean, we'll be along right there with you. We're going to watch The Brave and the Bold, and we're going to watch every episode. So it's just like the the Batman, you know, series that had recently just stopped right now. You know, we can say whatever we didn't like about it, but at the same time, we are fans, and we were watching every episode also. Yep. I want it. I want my phone call. Reed was emailed us in the past. I said, glad you finally got out your podcast. I saw Dark Knight five times, total one of which was in IMAX. Now into my personal critique. I'll try not to be too harsh. First off, Titanic is technically the best selling, but in truth, it is Star Wars. Wow. I called that and I completely forgot that I had this email. We had a Star Wars fan already email me about the inflation rate. <laughs> Due to the inflation, Star Wars truly should be revered as the best-selling movie of all time. Also, Mike Troubles, Mike Troubles, not just with you, but with skipping on iTunes posts, maybe it's just my computer. On to the Brave and Bold, I as a child watched Dexter's Laboratory in the 90s. There was a small segment called Superman featuring a mock Captain America Hulk and Thor. 
The animation in Brave and the Bold reminds me exactly of this and is definitely not Batman. Hopping from Gotham Knight to the Brave and the Bold, I feel ashamed to be a Batman animation fan. Recently, I ventured into comics after enough references by you guys. I read Killing Joke and Long Halloween along with the Batman Chronicles, which are reprints of every issue ever, if you didn't know. I also read a bit of Frank Miller's sequel to Year One All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, or something along the lines of that. After Killing Joke, I read The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I highly recommend. Concerning video games, I am psyched for Dark Knight, DC vs. Mortal Kombat, and DC Universe Online, which is one of the main reasons why I am finally buying a PS3. Well, I am starting to ramble, and I'm not even done with the podcast, so goodbye and good night. And I have to say, we are convincing people to buy PS3. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> Chris, comments? <laughs> you're on your way to. Just admit it, you're on your way to. The only way I would it. ever you gotta, you gotta consider get getting a PS3 is, is for the DC Universe. If for some reason my computer can't handle it, and I still don't believe that they're not going to put it on the 360. Um, but yeah, if, if the only way I can really enjoy it is the PS3, then yeah, I'll finally break down. Hopefully the price will be lower. Other than that, I just don't have any need for it. You soon. You soon. <laughs> I just want my phone call. This next email is from a new listener that I well, uh, that we did, that's never written us before. And it's his name is Lee, and he's from Texas. And it says... I'm listening to the reviews of Dark Knight you guys have, and I tend to agree with most of them, except for the complaints that Harvey turned bad too fast. There's one little thing you seem to forgot, or maybe it isn't apparent to you. Harvey goes insane the moment he knows Rachel is dead. When he flips the coin and sees the black inside, he loses his mind. Once that happens, he's easy prey for the Joker, spinning him to create a little anarchy, because Harvey's already, already most of the way there. I'm convinced he was already planning revenge against Gordon based on what he says to Jim when Jim tells Harvey that he's sorry. The reason he feels justified is that Gordon ignored Harvey's persistent reminders that certain cops in Gordon's squad were dirty. Two of those cops are the ones responsible for abducting Harvey and Rachel and thus share in the blame for Rachel's death. Once Gordon realizes that those cops were involved, he knows he shares some responsibility too. But Harvey won't kill Gordon because he wants to Jim. He wants Jim to feel what it's like to lose the one person he loves most. Only then can he possibly be sorry. Also, keep in mind that Harvey has a dark side before Rachel's death, as we learned when he tortures the psychopath. He even flips out a little when Batman reveals his intent to turn himself in. So I never felt he went bad too quickly. The seeds were already planted. I've only been listening to the podcast for a short time, but I'm already a fan. Keep up the work, Lee. Hmm. I, I I agree with Lee. I, I I know you guys didn't like the the turn, but uh, we got to keep in mind, you know, one bad day, you know, <laughs> you know, one bad day can just <laughs> can really mess you up. So, and he had one of the worst days ever. So, uh, I I tend to uh, agree with you, Lee, that um, I I it, it was written through the film, uh, of course, through the points that you have brought up, but um, it it was evident when the guy that he was talking to where he wanted to have trust from him did not trust him. And he was telling him about, you know, some of the police on his, uh, on his force, his task team. So, um, yeah, I believe it, it came down to one bad day and he lost it. Oh, I'd have to respectfully disagree. 
Um, and it's because, again, Rachel, they weren't going out for that long. They were, you know, they weren't like, uh, they weren't married. They weren't married for a long time. They were just dating each other. And sure, he went ahead and decided to propose to her. But still, it's not like they had this long history of emotional ties. And from losing her in a violent act um, one night causes him to totally ditch all of his morals and all of his sanity. Uh, unless he's someone with serious relationship issues, I just can't. I just can't buy that quick of a turn. And and yeah, I do. I I did notice before that he had those little outbursts, but I take that more as just Harvey has a temper versus Harvey's mentally unstable. Um, and with. Uh, when with the interrogation scene with the with the guy in the chair, he still he knew what he was doing. He was just playing mind games with him with a coin. But uh, but yeah, unless Lee's really just focusing on when he shouted at Batman that he can't that he can't quit. I don't know. Again, that shows his determination for justice. That he was mad that Batman would give up in face of all these criminals. Yet a couple hours later, he himself gives up um, on the sense of justice to to go go nuts. Yeah. So no, I, I still just I don't buy it. I appreciate Lee for letting us uh, for disagreeing with us and, and explaining it, and um, maybe some of you listeners can agree with that. But I'm going to be stubborn and say ah, just can't can't buy the bill of goods yet. <laughs> we agree to disagree. Yeah, we respectfully <laughs> agree to disagree. I'm right there along with uh, Chris. I mean, yes, Apple's right. You you could just have one bad day and everything could turn horrible. But the one thing is, like your the the points you make, Lee, about um, keep in mind that Harvey has a dark side. Before, thing is, when he's flipping that coin, he knows it's not gonna he's not gonna kill the guy. He knows that that coin has two sides that are exactly the same. He knows that. He knows that he's not gonna kill the guy. He has no intentions of killing the guy. He's just tr- like like Chris said. He's just playing mind games to mess with the guy's head so that the guy realizes that he needs to tell him the information. And that's really it. When he flips out, he, he was, was just upset. About. So, yeah. it'd be different if they would have showed him having personality issues or split personality things. But there was never any hint of that. The only hint that you had that something was wrong was that he would shout a little bit here and there, um, and that was kind of understandable in that he was just that passionate about justice. But um, I don't know. Maybe some of that's on the cutting room floor, and maybe they'll put it in the DVD. Maybe. Oh, hope is eternal. Or maybe what could happen is, uh, I think what's something that could have like solved a lot of problems is if they just had some kind of scene throughout the movie, which I don't know where it would be placed, because I didn't think about it that much, but if they had a scene where Harvey Dent was sitting down with a psychiatrist, similar to in Batman, or uh, that, that comic two, Two-Face Year One, number one, where he's sitting talking to a psychiatrist, telling him how he thinks that he's having this problem, and he's having struggles, struggles with this other side of him, that's something that you know, could have made a little bit more believable of how easily he flipped out. Mm-hmm. But I could I could agree with you there. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, and you know, the movie was still good no matter what. So yeah. So the next one is from Lewis from Southern California, and he says, Hey everyone, just wanted to say I really enjoy listening to your show late at night after work. Dustin really keeps the show moving well, and both Chris and Apple are great co-hosts. It's great to hear real Bat fans sitting around chatting about Batman. 
It's really a kick for everyone to hear. I discovered the show recently and can't wait to hear more. My question for you, Chris and Apple, is what did you think of all of the redesigns of the certain characters in Batman the New Anvit, New Batman the New Adventures, aka Batman Superman Adventures? And what were some of your favorites or some that you're just plain you just plain thought were unnecessary? So Batman New Adventures that's the one where uh, they had changed it to the the black symbol and the bla- the black and uh, the black cape black cow uh, gray suit. Um, I I like that. I I like that design. I don't see anything wrong with that. My complaint about that series right there, I I mean, it's only just something so small too. Is the way they did the Joker, where he had the like the black like uh, um, colored eyes. I guess you could kind of say with the white pupil. Um, it, it, it kind of lost that, uh, it didn't lose it completely, but, and, and of course, it just, it's just my view, but from the animated series to the new adventures, the Joker was more, uh, classical, I guess you could kind of say, in the, in the, in the Batman animated series, and the new adventures, it just kind of, like, made him more, um, simple line everything was more simple drawn and i that was my only gripe with it because i'm a joker fan and i gotta poke at that but um other than that i mean the the, the cartoons were great the, the, they were excellent it's just the the way i saw the joker and the way I, I i like to see the joker and i just didn't like to see him with black eyes my my uh the only thing that i thought was the the difference was that i noticed that in the new adventures, it seemed like a lot more of the characters were more blocky. Mm-hmm. More yeah, for some reason, they they shortened up their uh, their budget on animators because uh, everything looks a little too more a little too simple. Like they're not they weren't trying as hard to make good quality drawings. Yeah, I mean that would be my only thing. As for the redesigns, I personally like that uh, the. The New Adventures Batman outfit better more than the original Batman animated series costume. Um, mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I like the black, the simple black uh, bat instead. But what it, you know, I just it, it's exactly what Chris just said. It just seems like they had less money. You know, it was also the last season that the show was on, so it makes sense of why some of the stuff happened that it did of why it could have became simple. They were trying to keep it on as long as it could without having the money that they needed. So, Right. And see, and I think, I, I, if I remember this correctly, and if fans have viewed it, in the commentary, I believe that's actually when they started sending out work uh, overseas to have the work done for the series. So they would just follow the... I guess like the plain script or the plain view of what they wanted, and uh, that's how they would they would uh, send it back. So I, I do believe that there were you know shortcuts in there. Um, the the art versus the animated series it wasn't detailed. You could tell by the color that uh, color emphasis wasn't really put on the 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 dark side like as, as you can see from that and like the mask of the phantasm. You can't see that that art direction as far as even in the background being as detailed but the new adventures it was fine yes it was on its uh last season but i would have really have liked to see the batman the new new adventures batman like dustin was saying the black and gray in the old uh the old event 
adventure. But at the same time, I still like those. I still like that outfit, though. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the new adventures was the addition of a younger Robin. I really liked the uh, the exchanges him and Batman had. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it gives Batman a sense of father figure, more mm-hmm. so than with Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. And the voice actor was really good. He was really enjoyable. It was different. Now, one thing about what he said, what the email had in it, um, the, they said the new Adventures of Batman or the Batman Superman Adventures. And is that the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. Why like did they call it? Why did they add the name Superman in there? Superman was never in there. Because it was they, like the Batman Superman hour, I think. Yeah, basically, where one episode would be Batman, the next episode would be Superman. Oh, okay. Because it was right when Superman was starting up and Batman was on his way out. Well, if it ain't the Cape Coconut. The next email we've got is from, oh, I hope I say this right, I, I believe it's pronounced Jermaine. It says, hi guys, my name is Jermaine. I first want to say thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to give the fans an awesome podcast. I love The Dark Knight and got a chance to premiere at the IMAX here at, in Houston, Texas. As Batman with my custom Batmobile, and we had a guy in makeup as the Ledger Joker. It was a blast. I sent a picture from the event. Also, you can see more pics of my car at BatmobileHistory.com under Barrow Batmobile. Speaking of which, I obviously, I'm obviously a fan of the Batmobile and wanted to know if you guys could do a podcast dedicated to the world's most famous car. What are your favorites in all media? Lastly, my associates. Lastly, thanks and thanks all and God bless. So I love this guy. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Batmobiles rule. <laughs> and we are that's actually, awesome that Jermaine has his own. That's really cool. Yeah, and we're actually going to be planning. We're planning on doing a podcast sometime in the near future. I'm not going to say when, but sometime in the next couple of podcasts. Well, we're going to talk about the history of the Batmobile and the different variations of the Batmobile and our favorites as one of our features. So, then uh, the only other thing we had was we had a comment on the pot, on the website. Said uh, it was from Josh, longtime listener. Josh, he says, "I won. I argue. I agree with you guys about Two Face's transformation being rushed." I felt like they should have played up his Two-Face nick more earlier in the movie. I felt a little strange to have Batman saying that Joker targeted Harvey because Harvey was the best of them. The movie clearly showed both Batman and Gordon were stronger. But still, The Dark Knight is the best movie ever by far. So, those are our comments. As always, let's run down the list of the different things you can do. You can go on and email us, batmanuniversepodcast at yahoo.com. You can podcast. Uh, go to the podcast website, BatmanUniversePodcast.Podomatic.com, and then you can go to the spacemice.com/slash/BatmanUniversePodcast. You can leave comments, messages, become our friends. Oh, what else? Can you send podmail on the podcast website. Send, you can send in comments. I mean, you can leave a review. There's a thousand you can do. Get a hold of them. Try to receive so. Congratulations via PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, everybody, thank you so much for writing in, and please do not hesitate to criticize um, or to disagree, and uh, and sometimes I feel like, oh, we're really harping on you if we disagree with you, and if we sound like that, please please accept our apology. We don't mean to sound critical or harsh, um, but we do enjoy the uh, anything you send us, any sort of disagreements, 
Uh, it provides good mental stimulation. Yeah, it gives us a decent thing to discuss and talk about. And, and always, guys, you know, we're, we love talking about Batman. So anything that you want to talk about, it's something that we're ready to talk about also. So any ideas, any suggestions that you have, please send it in. Please send it in. We're always ready, and, you know, we're just like you. We're going to the comic store. We, we're watching everything on TV. Anything that comes out about Batman, anything, we are out there like you. You know, I also want to. I also want to add that to uh, from our listener Q and A. I wanted to thank uh, Angel. Angel had sent us in that uh, the free movie pass that he had got from buying the DVD, and I wanted to say thank you. And uh, I am. I didn't spend it. I'm holding on that as a small collectible and as a thank you, you know, from our fans. And it's always going to be in my collection. So thank you, Angel. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is, Josh, your package is on its way. Uh, it's been put on the mail. It took us a little bit to round up all the, the, the parts of your prize package, as well as, uh, Joe, your package is on the way as well. Um, it just take, it took us a little bit longer than we expected to get everything round up. Right, Rooney! Give me some sugar, baby. All right, so that brings us to our Spotlight character. This, uh, this episode's Spotlight character is Harley Quinn, uh, which was actually suggested by a bunch of different listeners. I cannot remember the names all off the top of my head, but it was Harley Quinn was uh, a character that a bunch of people were asking me, please do a spotlight character about. We really like Harley Quinn. She's our favorite character. Um, please do one on her. So this is Harley Quinn. Uh, Chris is going to tell us all about Harley Quinn. I just want to say, if there was no Batman, there'd be no Joker. And I'd never have met my puddin'. Thank you, Batman. Well, all right. Harley Quinn first appeared in the Batman the Animated Series episode Joker's Favor, which was actually episode number 22 that aired September 11th, 1992, as what was originally supposed to be the animated equivalent of a walk-on role where a number of police officers were to be taken hostage by someone jumping out of a cake, and it was decided that to have the Joker do so himself would be too bizarre, so a female follower of the Joker was thus created. Arlene Sorkin, formerly starring in the soap opera Days of Our Lives, appeared in a dream sequence in which she wore a jester costume, and Paul Dini used this scene as inspiration, writing the character specifically so Sorkin could voice her. Dini, who had been friends with Sorkin for years, incorporated aspects of her personality into the character. Call me Harley. Everyone does. The 1994 graphic novel Mad Love recounts the character's origin and reveals that Joker intended to twist her mind as a joke because her name was close to sounding like the word Harley Quinn, a French clown character. But in his joke, he found some affection for her. Told in the style and continuity of Batman animated series, written and drawn by Dini and Tim, the comic book describes Harley as an Arkham Asylum psychiatrist who falls in love with the Joker and becomes his accomplice and on-again, off-again girlfriend. The story received wide praise and won the Eisner and Harvey Awards for Best Single-Issue Comic of the Year. I know how to make some smiles, Puddin'. The new Batman Adventure series adapted Mad Love as the episode Mad Love in 1999 and making it the second animated-style comic book adapted for the series, the other being Holiday Nights. As portrayed in a comic, she becomes fascinated with the Joker while interning at Arkham and volunteers to analyze him. She falls in love nearly instantly with the Joker during their sessions, 
After helping him escape from the asylum more than once, she is caught by her superiors who revoke her license and put her in her own cell. During an earthquake in Gotham City, she flees and becomes Harley Quinn, the Joker's partner in crime. Back off, freak! What a dame's history! Get your own hostage! Now, after Batman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures, Harley makes several other animated appearances. She appears as one of the four main female characters of the web cartoon Gotham Girls. She also made guest appearances in other cartoons of the DC Animated Universe, appearing in the Justice League episode Wild Cards alongside the Joker and the Static Shock episode Hard as Nails alongside Poison Ivy. She appeared in World's Finest, the Batman-Superman movie, as a rival and foil of sorts for Lex Luthor's assistant, Mercy Graves. Each has a mutual, immediate dislike for the other, at one point fighting brutally with each other as Luthor and the Joker have a business meeting. In the film's climax, Harley nearly kills Mercy when she duct-tapes her mouth shut and tapes her to the top of a gigantic killer android, although she is rescued and untied by Batman and Superman. At the conclusion, Harley is taken away in a padded ambulance, screaming, I want a lawyer! I want a doctor! Mercy chuckles. Now that's funny. <laughs> Ow! As she watches Harley get locked away on TV. Happy anniversary, Mr. J. You're really swell and okay. It's seven years to the day. Take the night off. Let's play. In issues number 16 of the Batman Adventures comic series, Harley is almost married to the Joker, uh, but Ivy crashes the wedding and tries to kill the Joker, only to be stopped by Batgirl. At the end of the comic, Harley vows to kill Ivy, thus apparently ending their wonderful partnership. <sighs> Face it, Harl, this stinks. You're a certified nutso wanted in 12 states and hopelessly in love with a psychopathic clown. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, they depict Harley Quinn's ultimate fate which, uh, after a dramatic battle with Batgirl, Harley falls into a deep chasm, and Batman presumes her dead. However, bottomless pits are notoriously unreliable means of death in comic books, and a scene towards the end of the film reveals that she indeed did survive to start a family with her twin granddaughters, Delia and Deidre Dennis, eventually joining the Joker's gang, something which, ironically, the elderly Harley does not appreciate. And here you thought I was just another bubble-headed blonde bimbo. Well, the joke's on you. I'm not even a real blonde. Talking about DC Universe comic history, the character proved so popular that she was eventually added to the Batman comic book canon, although she had already appeared in the Elseworlds miniseries Thrill Killer in 1997. The comic book version of Quinn, like the comic book version of the Joker, is more dangerously psychotic and less humorously kooky than the animated series version. Quinn's DC Universe comic book origin, revealed in Batman Harley Quinn, which came out in October of 99, is largely an adaption of her animated origin from the Mad Love graphic novel. Oh, and what are you going to do? Spank us? <laughs> That's right, pigs! And here's the paddle! A Harley Quinn ongoing series was published monthly by DC Comics for 38 issues from 2001 to 2003. Creators who contributed to the title include Carl Kessel, Terry Dodson, A.J. Lieberman, and Mike Huddleston. The series ends with Harley turning herself into Arkham Asylum. She then appears in the Jeff Loeb series Hush. 
She is next seen in Villains United Infinite Crisis Special, where she is one of the many villains who escaped from Arkham. Uh, she is, however, knocked unconscious the moment she escapes. In the one-year-later continuity, Harley Quinn is an inmate at Arkham, glimpsed briefly in Detective Comics number 823. Harley next appeared in Batman number 663, in which she helps the Joker with a plan to kill all his former henchmen, unaware that the punchline to the scheme is her own death. Upon realizing this, she shoots him in the shoulder. And Harley resurfaces in Det Detective Comics number 831, written by Paul Dini. She is still a borderline psychotic, but has apparently reformed. And Harley has spent the last year applying for parole, only to see her... Request systematically rejected by Bruce Wayne, the layman member of Arkham's medical commission. The heck with it. She is kidnapped by Sugar, the new female ventriloquist who offers her a job. Harley turns the job down out of respect for the memory of Arnold Wesker, the original ventriloquist, and helps Batman and Commissioner Gordon uh, foil the imposter's plans. Did you see the way I handled those creeps? Pow! Bam! Oh, Batgirl, eat your heart out! Although Sugar escapes, Bruce Wayne is impressed with Harley's effort at redemption and agrees with granting her parole. Yay, yay, yay! In Birds of Prey number 105, Harley Quinn is revealed as the sixth member of the Secret Six. In issue number 108, a couple issues later, upon hearing that Oracle has sent the Russian authorities footage of teammate Deadshot murdering the Six's employer as payback for double-crossing them, Harley asks, is it a bad time to say I quit, and thus leaving the team? In Countdown number 43, Harley Quinzel appears to have reformed and is shown to be residing in an Amazon-run women's shelter. Having abandoned her jester costume and clown makeup, Harley now only wears an Amazonian stola or chitin. She befriends the former Catwoman replacement, Holly Robinson, and then succeeds in persuading her to join her at the shelter, where she is working as an assistant. They're both brought to Themyscira by Athena, which is really granny goodness, and begin Amazon training. Holly and Harley then meet the real Athena and encounter Mary Marvel. The group reveal Granny's deception, and Holly, Harley, and Mary follow her as she retreats to Apocalypse. Mary finds the Athenian gods, whom Granny had been holding prisoner, and the group frees them. Harley is grounded powers by Thalia as a reward. Upon return to Earth, the powers vanish, and Harley and Holly return to Gotham. Home again, home again, jiggity-jig. In Batman Confidential's version of the Joker's origin, Harley meets the Joker when he is still Jack. She is working her way through college as a cocktail waitress and goes by the nickname of Lenny. She convinces him that whatever life he is running from is a gift and deserves a second chance. This sets in motion the chain of events that leads to the Joker's transformation. And in gratitude, Joker secretly pays off Harley's college bills. Aww. Aww. <laughs> it's a love story. Yes. Ha! You're just jealous because you don't have a fella who's as loving and loyal to you as my pudding is to me. As far as relationships go, she's a weird one. Harley's relationship <laughs> with the Joker is one of the most complex in the DC Universe. While he often abuses her, sometimes near the point of death, there are as many instances that show a mutually affectionate side to their bizarre relationship. Certain stories imply that the Joker wrestles with the confusing reality of actually caring for someone, giving in to the sentiment more or less at times, depending on his mood or state of mind. In the book Batman Animated, Mark Hamill, who provided the voice of the Joker in Batman the Animated Series, says expressing emotion in any way that's real and meaningful is alien to the Joker, but he's learning those parts of himself, however unconsciously, through Harley. Sorkin adds, everyone else sees the Joker laugh. Only Harley has ever seen him cry. Aww. 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 <laughs> what ex 
example of this affectionate bend in their roller coaster relationship comes from the Emperor Joker series, listed in Action Comics number 770, where Joker shares with Harley his deeply personal reasons for destroying the universe. Instead of destroying her with it, he gives her a last kiss and turns her into a constellation, saying, You get the best seat in the house for Armageddon. Say goodnight, Harley. I always wanted to see my dame in lights. You know what's great about you, Puddin'? You really put the fun in funeral. A more in-depth look at the early stages of their DC Universe relationship is provided in Greg Rucka's No Man's Land novel. In the book, Joker's initial reaction to Harley and her new mental state is a mixture of fascination and annoyance. Something that he can only seem to guess at causes him to not kill her and to keep her around. And as they spend more time together, he begins to enjoy her more in spite of himself. One part describes Joker observing Harley during uh, one of their outings. Harley, he had discovered, had tricks. One of her favorites involved a rusty cheese grater and a stapler. It didn't always work, mostly because people didn't tend to sit still for that sort of thing, but it gave Joker a consistent laugh, and he figured in time Harley would have it down to a science. Another part describes Joker choking Harley in frustration, and then a quick thought or two later grabbing her, kissing and licking her, and saying to her excitedly, Harley, you're the greatest! <laughs> In Batman number 663, it is revealed that Harley included in her college thesis the theory that the Joker is constantly reinventing his personality. After she is corrupted, however, she refuses to accept that his love for her is not a constant. Furthermore, Joker relents after Harley defends herself against him, saying he will let her live, but that it would be better if she were disfigured. She apparently consents, but Batman attacks as Joker traces a razor against her cheek. The issue ends with Harley putting a bullet through Joker's shoulder. Such love. <laughs> Oh, you'd think after living with Mr. J, I'd be used to a little pain. Uh, another uh, famous relationship she has is with Poison Ivy. In the episode Harley and Ivy, the Joker, frustrated with Quinn, kicks her out, so she steals a Harlequin diamond in a museum to prove her worth. At the same time, Poison Ivy robs a museum of plant toxins, and the two become quick friends, and Ivy takes her back to her lair in a toxic waste dump where she nurses her back to health, and he injects her with a serum which has given uh, Harley an immunity to all toxins and poisons. The best gift a friend could give. Nice work, Butterfingers. Why didn't you just turn on the bat signal while you were at it? Harley and Ivy team up for a number of successful capers, becoming Gotham City's queens of crime. Their partnership ends temporarily after the Joker welcomes Harley back. Ivy is continually frustrated by Harley's lingering feelings for the Joker. However, the, friend, the friendship survives, and Ivy remains Harley's first port of call when she and the Joker go through a rough patch. She adopts the role of older sister and teller of harsh truths to Harley about her helpless infatuation with the Joker. Blah, blah, blah. When Ivy demands during Harley and Ivy that Harley stand up for herself, Harley says, I'm not a doormat, am I? Ivy replies, if you had a middle name, it would be welcome. While she frequently refers to the Joker as Puddin and Mr. J, she refers to Poison Ivy as Red, a reference to her red hair. Harley and Ivy made several appearances working together in other episodes and in the Flash animated series Gotham Girls, the comic book of the same name, and a miniseries entitled Harley and Ivy. The relationship between Harley and Ivy was integrated into the comics in Batman Harley Quinn. In that comic, Joker finds himself beginning to care for her. Naturally, this can't be countenanced, so he decides to kill her. After he takes an apparently drugged Harley into his bed for what may or may not be the consummation of their relationship, he lures her into a rocket ship, telling her in part, I've noticed some changes coming over me since you came into my life. I've been reminded what it was like to be part of a couple, to care for someone who cares for me. It's the first time in recent memory I've had those feelings. 
and I hate having those feelings. He launches the rocket, soberly telling an enraged Tali that he will truly mourn her before erupting into a fit in his trademark diabolical laughter. <laughs> The rocket lands in Robinson Park, where Harley first meets Poison Ivy. Ivy saves her, but after taking her in, recognizes Harley as Dr. Quinzel from the Arkham staff. When Harley regains consciousness, Ivy initially plans to kill her. The prospect of her own death totally fails to move Harley, and Ivy is curious as to why. She convinces Harley to tell her story and comes to feel a kinship with Harley. Considering her another cast-off, Ivy offers to help Harley take her revenge on both Batman and the Joker. Ivy gives Quinn a treatment that immunizes her to various assorted toxins in Ivy's own poisonous touch. It also dramatically enhances Harley's strength and speed. Ivy intends this to give her a new friend an edge on Batman and the Joker. Hot-blooded Harley, however, is angrier at the Joker than at Batman and even initially works with the Dark Knight to help her bring down the Clown Prince of Crime. While Batman eliminates the villain's muscle, Quinn chases the Joker up a damaged building, intending to send him falling to his death. Before she can do so, however, the Joker apologizes, and falling in love with him again, she forgives him on the spot and serves as his lieutenant throughout the rest of No Man's Land, as well as the Emperor Joker storyline. Such a pushover. Yeah, Harley, you worthless two-timing piece! Wait! Wait! We can't let everything we have be ruined by a silly misunderstanding. And just what is it that I'm not understanding? That we're two of a kind. That you'll always come back to me. Yeah, I guess I do, don't I? But... Like the swallows in Capistrano. And there's one other thing you're not getting. That you led that man right to my doorstep! The relationship between Harley and Ivy has often been used to support the theory that they are very close. In the Batman Harley and Ivy miniseries published in 2004, the pair are shown sharing a bed in issue number three. Any last words? Just one. Babies! Play nice with your new chew toy! Harley Quinn also had a relationship with Holly Robinson. Uh, when the Amazons attacked America and offered women access to Themyscira and their teachings, Harley volunteered, and there she befriended former Catwoman Holly Robinson. She and Holly became friends over their adventures in the center, Themyscira, Apocalypse, and Earth-51. In the series' final issues, we see the two are now living together in Gotham. Grab on. I can do it myself, thank you. Harley also had a relationship with Guy Kopsky. Harley Quinn number eight reveals that in college, Harley dated fellow student Guy Kopsky, who is writing his thesis on chaos theory. In order to enter Gotham State University's graduate program, Harley performs an experiment in which she tests her boyfriend's love by claiming to have committed a crime to see how he'd react. She does not get the results that she hoped for. Kopsky picks up a loaded gun and goes after the perpetrator that tried to kill his girlfriend. She goes after Kopsky to stop him from killing someone, but arrives too late. He has accidentally killed a homeless man. Upon learning the truth, Kopsky becomes hysterical and turns the gun on himself. But it's all okay in the end because the homeless man was actually Jill Shoemaker. <laughs> now this is funny, Mr. J. He's dead. <laughs> And that's your Joel Shoemaker quote of the week. <laughs> Harley trashes her dorm room in her despair and decides right then and there that she wants to meet with the Joker in person by interning at Arkham Asylum. She then blackmails her department head into passing her so that she can go to grad school and get her internship at Arkham. 
Years later, Harley finds out that her department head was actually using them both to test out his own theories and that her experiment was really his. Harley avenges her boyfriend's death by tormenting her former department head, leaving him to his fate when he accidentally gets Joker Venom on himself. Yes! Again with the fish. I hate fish. And no offense, Mr. J. Poor Harley. This caper's been kind of rough on you, hasn't it? Uh-huh. Cheer up! You can be my very own little mermaid. Really sick, you know that, boss? Mm -hmm. And there's been other versions of Harley featured in different Elseworlds type things. Harley Quinn's first major appearance outside the Batman animated world was in the Elseworlds miniseries Thrill Killer. As with the other characters, her background is very different from the established version. Bruce Wayne, for instance, is a full-time detective in the Gotham City Police Department who becomes Batman after being framed for murder. And here in the Elseworlds story, she is a schoolgirl named Haley Fitzpatrick who dresses up in order to help a female version of the Joker called Bianca Steeplechase. The relationship between this lesbian or bisexual Joker and Harley Quinn is noticeably more egalitarian than its heterosexual counterpart in mainstream DC continuity. After Batgirl kills Bianca, Harley is shown killing her own family intent on revenge in the final frames of the story. I'm having a In the Elseworlds 80-page giant, one of the stories was about Lex Luthor as a music producer, and one of his groups were, as the press put it, alternate lifestyle folkies, Ivy and Harley. Hello, Mr. J. I'm Batman. Eat me, eat me, eat me. And on the new Earth 3, Harley Wenzel was the jokester's manager and was killed by Owlman. And so, everybody, that is the long, sordid, crazy history of your very favorite Harley Quinn. Yeah. Oh, come on, Puddin'. Don't you want to rev up your Harley? Vroom, vroom! Hiya, Mr. J. <laughs> and guess what? There's an invoice to an address on the east side of town. Interesting. What are you doing tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. What? <laughs> Never mind. Alright, so that brings us to uh, upcoming releases. September 3rd, we have Batman Strikes number 49, Detective Comics number 848, Nightwing... Number 148. September 10th, uh, All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder Number 10. Finally. Finally. Yeah, finally. Is the <laughs> we <keyword>. both said that. <laughs> <coughs> September 10th, also uh, Batman Confidential Number 21, as we mentioned earlier, Batman the Black Glove, and Gotham Central Volume 1 in the Line of Duty as well as Green Arrow Black Canary number 12 and Simon Dark number 12. <laughs> you know, we got to mention to the to the fans that uh, we all saw and we waited for the trailer for the, the Gotham Public Works, the Forsaken. Yeah, and it uh, they, they uh, released it earlier this, or well, it was actually before the last podcast, but we forgot to mention it. But they released um, their feature. Uh, is it, it's basically a trailer for their their upcoming web episodes that they're going to be doing. That we interviewed them about earlier this year, and uh, the trailer looks really good, very good quality. The costumes, as always, and as Gotham Public Works has always been known for, great costumes, highly detailed, and the trailer looks really really cool. I mean for independently doing this and having no professional studios 
you know, supporting them, they're doing a great job. Yeah, um, I, I I loved it. I thought the trailer was awesome. Um, of course, you know, uh, you know, Joker. I, I love the the guy who plays the Joker. Of course, you know, Joker. But uh, I also liked. Uh, I love Catwoman. I love the way that uh, that um, she's looking. I like the the guy who's playing Two Face too. His outfit looks pretty cool. And the Penguin, the Penguin when he had the girls around, that was pretty awesome. And for <laughs> for just fans, just normal fans that are doing this, um, they're doing it big. And you know, to to all our listeners, please, please go visit Gotham Public Works. Go check out that trailer and uh, and support them. We are we're we're uh, we're looking at that. We were waiting for that trailer to come up, so we were eagerly anticipating it. So yeah, yeah the support them. The sets were amazing. They're top notch. And we're also hoping to uh, get the director Brian Crosby uh, on an upcoming episode and possibly have him as a co-host for one of the episodes in the future so you know email us let us know what you think email them and let us let them know that we directed you over to their uh website and let them let them know that we we told you guys about their their thing and now and if you haven't if you you're new to the podcast and you haven't listened uh, i believe it was episode six that we did the interview with them uh, i interviewed most of the cast members as well as brian crosby the director, uh, and it was a great interview, and, you know, we're, you know, we, we, we stay in contact with Gotham Public Works, and, you know, we're, we're highly anticipating the, the release of their first little mini, uh, well, web, web episode, so, or serial, I guess that's what they're calling it, a serial, their first serial, which is going to be entitled The Cat's Meow, so. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Master Bruce, I... Miss Gordon, I see you've discovered our little secret. Yes, I admit it. I am Batman. It's all right, Alfred. Very good, sir. All right, so that brings us to our feature, which we're going to quickly discuss the little bit of sequel news that we've heard so far. First things first, the big rumors that have been floating around is that it's definitely going to be the Riddler and Catwoman. First, let's get our thoughts about that. I think it's way too early to be taking any of that seriously. <laughs> but it's fun to speculate. I think that would be interesting choices. Yeah, I, I just think it's 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 all in good fun. It's all in good fun. I would love to see Catwoman because, you know, right next to the Joker, I really love Catwoman. So, And they've talked about it being Angelina Jolie. But as far as, you know, the Riddler, I, I say give another villain the spotlight. I had mentioned to Dust when we were talking a couple of nights ago, you know, maybe have Lockup in there. You know what I mean? Maybe do Firefly because, you know, in the dark night when that fire engine was on fire, that was pretty cool. Can you imagine a city on fire? You know, so, you know, just, just thoughts like that, but, ah, man, it's all rumors. I mean, I I don't want to, I don't want to say what if this and that, because I mean, Chris Nolan is, you know, you know, he's sipping on margaritas or something right now and he's not telling us if he's coming back and we're like all on hands and knees telling him, please come back. You know, in the spirit of the dark Knight and it's realism and it's gritty take, 
what they what Heath Ledger did to the Joker character. I am very excited to think about the possibility of Johnny Depp, the actor that he is, taking on the Riddler. And as far as that making sense as a transition from this movie, they touched on this movie as uh, who, what is Batman's identity? Let the Batman come forth and tell us. And then the guy got on television and he almost revealed who it was before the Joker messed that up. And referring back to the uh, fan-made poster that's like a teaser trailer poster of the uh, of the Batman 3 um, it shows you know like a newspaper and the Riddler's writing on over it but the big mystery the big question who is Batman and I think that would be a really easy smooth transition between the movies that yeah now it's time for the Riddler to come out and take that theme and carry it forward of who is the Batman let me see if I can figure this out so I'm game I think it makes sense and and I'd be happy if it was if it was Riddler oh man can you imagine the viral marketing for that thing oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well, just imagine all the puzzles that we had to deal with with the last oh. it wasn't even the Riddler. I mean, I know we've made a comment in previous oh. episodes when some of these crazy puzzles came out where it was like, I thought it was the Joker is the main villain, not the Riddler, just because of the, 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 the difficulty of some of these puzzles that have come out. But yeah. as my opinion on uh, villain, I mean, they've said... They've mentioned Johnny Depp as the Riddler. They've for Catwoman. They're saying Angelina Jolie. There was this completely nonsense rumor that was floating around saying that Cher could possibly be playing Catwoman. Uh. <laughs> if she actually ended up becoming Catwoman, I swear, I don't. I think it would be a. First of all, it wouldn't be Chris Nolan doing the movie. Number one. Number two. It'd be Joel Schumacher. Yeah, it'd be Joel Schumacher. <laughs> so that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, there's been little rumors floating around about Angelina Jolie. She not only she was doing research into how to play the Catwoman by talking to some porn star. She was talking to Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar was saying to her to, in some interview that she gave, saying that she, uh, Angelina Jolie's been talking around with people trying to figure out exactly how to play Catwoman. I mean, if Angelina Jolie plays Catwoman, by all means, you know, that's, I don't see that being all that bad. The only thing is, Christopher Nolan's known for not taking A-list actors, not necessarily A-list, but like super famous actors, such as Angelina Jolie. I mean, Heath Ledger, yes, he was, he's, he was extremely famous, but the movies that he did was more of a down-to-earth movie more than the big blockbuster movies. Same yep. thing with Aaron Eckhart. I mean, same thing with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Same thing with Christian Bale. None of them really ever were in giant blockbuster movies before the Batman movies. So that's the whole thing. It's just, I don't think Christopher Nolan's going to try to do something like that because that would just be a remake of something similar to what happened with Batman 1989 with Jack Nicholson. Having to have top billing because he's be super popular and I just don't see Chris Nolan going in that kind of direction. I'm not saying I wouldn't want to see Angelina Jolie play as Catwoman because that would just be extremely hot. But, you know, that's just, you know, it is what it is. You know, it'd be cool if it happened, but I, don't, I just don't see it happening like that. As for other villains that I'd like to see, I'd love to see uh, a realistic version of maybe Killer Croc. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He's not necessarily some kind of giant alligator or a crocodile walking around, but he has some kind of skin condition that makes his skin looks kind of scaly or extremely dried up and green looking. 
and people just call him Killer Croc because he's got a skin condition. That would be, you know, I could see that feasible in Chris Nolan's universe. I don't really like the idea of Penguin being in it, just because I don't really see Penguin, unless he was like just a, a minor supporting villain, similar to how they had the Scarecrow in The Dark Knight, where he just makes a simple cameo, and he's being played off as not some kind of mutated human, but as like an arms dealer, because that's what he is in a lot of the comics, he's an arms dealer. Right. Uh, right. One other one that I think would be really cool is if they brought in Talia al Ghul. Because if they brought in her, it would possibly, you know, they could introduce her as she comes to Gotham, she starts getting along with Bruce Wayne somehow, because now that there's no women in Bruce Wayne's life and there's no real, you know, emotional attachment to any specific character, because Rachel Dawes is now dead, they could bring in uh, Talia al Ghul, he could start getting attached to her, then she, at the same time, is trying to go after Batman, and that's why she came to Gotham, because he supposedly killed her father. Right. I think, and I think that that could work, too, just to bring in an emotional aspect. Now, if they did Catwoman, I don't see them doing Talia, but I think somehow there needs to be a female villain, just for the sheer fact that there's nothing. There's no kind of emotional connection that Bruce Wayne has with any female right now that he had in the last two movies. Right, right. Oh man, that I would be so awesome too. You know, and um, you know, sticking on realism, you know, they can do the black mask also. They can have a guy in a suit with the black mask. So yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of possibilities. It's just there's ways you have to go about. There's just like the way Chris Nolan's doing everything with the hyper realism. There's just ways you have to go about doing it to make it actually realistic, which the majority of Batman villains can be realistic as long as you have a, 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 enough of a backstory to make it realistic, explain why it's happened. I mean, you could even have Poison Ivy. She wouldn't be able to be the mutated version, but they could do Poison Ivy. It would just have there would have to be an explanation of how she. She's like, or she is what she is. You know, it wouldn't just be able to jump in and she pops out of the ground. Like I said, she wouldn't be able to do stuff like that in the hyper-realism. I mean, there's ways to do a lot of the characters. There's not very char- many characters that I can think of that they can't have just because it just wouldn't work in the hyper-realism. It's just all about how they do it. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, man, you know, in Chris Nolan's hands, you know, we can expect anything. You know what I mean? Because, oh, gosh, I, I, I just can't wait till he's finished done with that margarita and he gets back to this. Yeah, and like I said earlier in movie news, the Warner Brothers has put the, the you know, it on the plate. They've, they've put an offer on the plate. They're just waiting for Chris Nolan to bite. And honestly, I don't think what's going to happen... I don't think Chris Nolan's just going to bite right away. Like I've said in other podcasts, he's probably going to take a break, do another movie in between. You know, if he makes it his his, his directing all about Batman, he's going to get burnt out. And a vacation for a month, two months, is not going to relieve the stress of making a Batman movie that, for him, it, it took, you know, just about two years to make. So... Thing is, David Goyer said in an interview that he did with MTV.com, he said that they have an idea, they, when they wrote the second movie, they had no intentions of making a third movie. 
But if they did do a third movie, they had a direction that they could go. So the whole thing about, you know, Dark Knight in and of itself can stand alone. But you can always do something more. Just like the only thing that, that really made Batman Begins need to have a sequel was that last scene. Dark Knight didn't have that very last scene where it opened it up for a sequel. It can stand alone by itself, which is the whole idea. These movies can, you know, are movies by themselves. They don't need to be a trilogy. You can watch them in any order you want. I mean, it helps if you watch them in order, but you don't have to. They're, they're great movies in and of themselves. And the whole thing is, the third movie... With David Goyer saying that they've he's already got an idea and they've already they already had an idea of where it could go, I think Chris Nolan, honestly, I think he loves Bat he loves the character of Batman. He loves making these movies. It's just a matter of do you lo- do you love it where you want to consume your life with it? And I don't think he wants to do that. And honestly, I don't also think that he if he does do a third one, it'd be great if he does a fourth one. It'd be great if he does a fifth one be great until he, if he does them forever. I mean, he's young, he can do them forever. I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. The only thing mm-hmm. is, I don't think a director of his caliber wants to only be remembered for Batman movies. Mm-hmm. And that's He's such a high caliber director that I just don't think that even though Batman movies are great, the, like to us, the movie audience, if he doesn't get a best directing, uh, nomination for The Dark Knight, that's, it's a shame. And that's just because the Academy is not recognizing these superhero, you know, movies like they should. But, if he doesn't, that's proof right there that he needs to open up and do something else that he, you know, because he's that good of a director, he could, he could easily earn a nomination, if not a win, on anything. And he should get one on The Dark Knight. Yeah, I I totally agree. And you know what, uh, Christopher Nolan, you know, like how I told, like we had discussed in previous podcasts where they have like this buddy system. Yeah. Maybe Christopher Nolan has the view the same way that Christian Bale has the view of taking on Batman. He knew right away that when he took the role of Batman, he was going to be recognized all the way till he was in his fifties doing Batman. He knew he knew what he got into. Maybe that's what Christopher Nolan knows too. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe it's it's where I know that I've done these films. And let's face it, guys. Three films. If we could get three films, that's almost ten years of a guy's life. You know, just doing just this one franchise. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, we can't we can, we can ask a guy, hey, you know, give us ten years of your life and just do Batman. If he's ready to move on, he's wanting to do something else, you can't. You can't blame the guy. There's people that go to work for 10 years and say, you know what, I needed something to change. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I can't, I can't blame him. What he's given us, and like how you guys said, Dustin, that these films stand on their own, they do. They do. You throw them out there, and they, they just stand on his own. And this is the credit to work that him, David Goyer, have done. So if we can get another third film, oh, we would be so grateful. But after that, oh, man, we would just be – we'll be just – you know, getting frog's legs and I mean, or rabbit foots and uh, and getting all kind of lucky charms if they could come back for a fourth. But oh man, I I, I when David Goyer said that when you know they had ideas about a third one, 
it just as a fanboy, you know it gets you hype. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why they do it. To give us a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. You're really coming? Awesome! You're a stand-up guy, Bats. Don't ever let them call you a crazed loner. That's about all the sequel news we have. If anybody's got any other sequel news that they want to discuss, email us, batmanuniversepodcast at yahoo.com, and we'll talk about it the next time when we come to listener Q&As. Other than that, as always, iTunes reviews, MySpace, <clears throat> you can go on Podomatic, batmanuniversepodcast.podomatic.com. You can leave comments and pod mail. And then, you, like I said, you can email us, BatmanUniversePodcast at Yahoo.com. And send us anything, any questions, concerns, disagreements. We're all for disagreements. And, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting pretty popular out there. We're starting to spurt some copycats right now. So let us know what you think. Let us know uh, what your feelings are. That about wraps everything up. Uh, this is Dustin. This is Chris. And this is Apple. And this is the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you next time, guys. We're done. Bye-bye, Betsy! complete fiasco? If we weren't so strapped for cash, I'd never have touched this job. Give me the loot. Don't you have it? Me? You were the last one to... I thought I told you to get gas! We're broke, remember? What was I supposed to do? Fill the tank, shoot the guy, and drive off? Mm Mm-hmm. Now you tell me!